Hi, this is Bill Crockett, and welcome to Jump Right In, the Bible study ministry of the Fellowship of Young Christian Professionals. This ministry is designed to help us jump right into the Bible and learn what God says about how to live as followers of Jesus Christ. We're glad you've chosen to listen today, so let's jump right in. Well, welcome to another session of Jump Right In. We're in the middle of a series entitled, How to Be an Effective and Productive Christian. Uh, our lesson today is on the knowledge of God. And we're in 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, before we get into today's lesson, I want to review just quickly what we talked about last time. We did a basic introduction to the series, and for the most part, we began by asking the question, how do you define an effective and productive Christian? And immediately we realized that quite often, especially as human beings, we tend to use the wrong criteria when we're determining whether or not we've been effective and productive in our Christian life. So we began by looking at what God looks at. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, we saw that the Bible says that God does not look at what man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So in this concept of defining uh, an effective and productive believer or follower of Christ, we realize that, first of all, we've got to look at what God looks at, and that's our heart. So as we go through this series, that's what we're going to be looking at, the condition of our heart. The second thing we did was we defined the words effective and productive. Very simply put, the word effective in the Bible simply means to be useful. God, our lives being a vessel that God can use to be active, working, a person that God can actually use to accomplish his purpose. The word productive just simply means to be fruitful. Or, put another way, to not waste our life, but to invest our life in the things that God says are important for eternity. So, an effective and productive Christian is simply a person who is useful for, to God and they're bearing fruit because they're investing their lives into things that God says are important. Then we looked at some basics about the book. The writer is Peter. He's writing not long before his death and he's writing to believers. It is the second letter he's written to this same area or group of believers, um, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. We also looked at the twofold purpose of the book, and that's found in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. First of all, he was warning them about false teachers, and second of all, he was challenging them to grow in their faith. Both of these purposes are accomplished through the knowledge of God. Then, number three, there was a foundational principle and an assumption that Peter made when he was writing the book. And the foundation and the assumption he made was that the people he were writing to were already believers in Jesus Christ. They had the same faith that he had. They had trusted Christ as their Savior. This is important because everything he's going to write about has to do with believers, those who want to follow Christ, those who want to grow in their knowledge of God, those who want to follow God and not false teachers. So that became very important. And then the fourth thing we looked at about the book was the goal of what he was writing. And that was found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 in the salutation, which, by the way, he also gave in his first letter, 1 Peter. And the salutation was simply this. 
He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. He wanted them to know grace and peace in their life. And he said that the way you get grace and peace is through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. So with that being the case, since the goal is grace and peace, and the way you get it is through the knowledge of God, that segues into our lesson for today. The title of the lesson is The Knowledge of God. If grace and peace comes through the knowledge of God, then we need to understand what that is. So today, let's talk a little bit about the knowledge of God and what it actually is. Let's begin, number one, with a definition. The Greek word used in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 for knowledge is the word epigenosis. This word means much more than just a factual knowledge. It gives the idea of firsthand knowledge, contact knowledge, or experiential knowledge. Literally, this is a knowledge that comes from a firsthand relationship with someone, especially when it's used in applying toward an individual relationship. So here, here's the deal. When Peter says grace and peace comes through the knowledge of God, he's not talking about just a factual knowledge. He's talking about a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of God. Let me give you some examples. If I said, I know the game of rugby, what I'm actually saying is I have a factual knowledge of the game of rugby. I've read about it. I've um, watched a little bit. I, I know some facts about it. I don't have a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of the game of rugby because I've never played it before. I've never been around it. Um, I've never even watched the whole game. But if I were to say, I know football, that's a totally different knowledge. Not only do I know facts about it, but I have played the game since I was in the sixth grade. I have a firsthand, literally, contact, experiential knowledge of the game of football. Another example, if I were to tell you I know Billy Graham, what I'm saying is I have a factual knowledge of Billy Graham. I know who he is. I've read about him. I've listened to him speak. But I, I don't have a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of Billy Graham because I've never even met the man personally. But if I were to say, I know my children, that's totally different. I not only know about them, I have a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of my children because I have spent years with them day in and day out in a relationship. That's the kind of knowledge Peter is talking about that brings grace and peace in abundance in our life. It is a firsthand contact experiential relationship, knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Now, how important is this knowledge? It's extremely important. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, the verse that reads, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, literally in the Greek, reads like this. Grace to you and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace are literally found in the knowledge of God. So if I want to have grace and peace, I have to have a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of God and Jesus. 
because that's where this grace and peace comes from. And it can only come from a daily relationship where I am actually watching and experiencing the working of God in my life. That's how I get to know God and Christ in this experiential way. Now, the next thing we want to talk about, which I hope will help with this, is what is that kind of a firsthand contact experiential relationship with God and Jesus? What does it look like? I mean, in, in, in real everyday life, let's just break it down. What does that really look like? I'm going to give you nine things that I believe the Bible instructs us about that helps us to understand what that kind of relationship looks like. First of all, number one, recognize him. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Life is not lived by chance. It's lived by the direction of God. God is in control of everything. I became a believer at the age of 15. At the time of this recording, I am just a few weeks away from turning 56 years old. For over 40 years, I have had a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of God. I have watched God work in every aspect of my life. Now that has become much more meaningful the older I've gotten because I have learned to recognize God in all the things that have been happening in my life over all of these years. Now I will say that I didn't always recognize it was God at first, especially in the early years of my being a Christian because I had not grown to know him like that. So I didn't recognize him. But I will tell you that today, no matter what happens in my life, I am much more cognizant that it is God at work than I used to be. So first of all, what does it look like, this experiential knowledge of God? Well, it means, number one, that we recognize him. Next, it means that we include him in our life. Remember, God is with us all the time. He ought to be included in every thought that we have. In Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, the Bible talks about the unbeliever, those who actually had a knowledge of God, but that knowledge did not change them at all. And in verse 28 of Romans chapter 1, Paul says that the reason the knowledge of God did not change them was because they refused to retain the knowledge of God. In other words, they had been given factual knowledge about God, but they refused to include him in their thought process every day. On the contrary, they actually suppressed the thought of God. They got rid of it. They didn't want to think about it because the things they were doing, they knew God would not want them to do. So to have this firsthand experiential knowledge of God in a way that it's going to help us to be effective and productive, we've got to include him in our life every day, in our thought process, realizing he's there. Next, number three, we've got to follow him. We've got to take the path that God opens up for us rather than going in our own direction. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. 
what we have a tendency to do is to trust the Lord with all our heart, but then we, we want to fall back into leaning on our own understanding. We have a tendency when God shuts a door to kick it open because that's where we want to go. Rather than when God shuts a door, we follow him down the path that he's directing us to because he's closed that door. So an experiential knowledge of God means we recognize him, we include him, we follow him. Number four, we acknowledge him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. What does it mean to acknowledge God? It just simply means that we give him thanks that we recognize, we acknowledge God is doing something here. It's similar to, to the first point where we recognize God in our life. We acknowledge him. Thank you, God. And God, I know you're at work, so please help me to understand what you're trying to teach me through this difficulty. Then number five, give credit to God. Realize that all that we have and are able to do is because of God's ability and God's working in our life not because of our own ability. Without God, we can do nothing. John 15 and verse 5, Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. But in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul says, but with God, we can do and handle anything. Paul says in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Give God credit. Realize that everything that I'm able to do is because of God, not me. That will help us to see God working in our life. Then number six, depend on him. Trust him to do what we cannot do or we think it's impossible. If it's God's will, he'll do it. In Matthew 19 and verse 26, the Bible says, With men this is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then number seven, involve God. Think through what God would do or want us to do in every situation and decision. And primarily, our thought process is generated from our factual knowledge of what God says in his word. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verses 97 through 99. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. That means he thinks about it all day long. His process includes the principles of God's word. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Part of what it looks like to have this firsthand contact experiential knowledge of God is that we involve him in everything in our life, especially our thought process and our decisions. Then number eight, we consult with him. Not only do we think through what he says to us, but we talk to him about everything in our life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ. Consult with God. Talk to him about everything. And then finally, number nine, act like God. We're, we Experiential knowledge means that we are constantly adjusting our life so that we act like Jesus. 
Romans 8, 28 and 29. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, everything is working for our good. But what that means is we're being conformed to the image of God's son. God is changing and working on our lives so that we begin to live more and more every day like Jesus did when he was here. So what does it look like to have a firsthand contact experiential knowledge of God? We recognize God every day in our life. We include him. We follow him. We acknowledge him. We give him credit. We depend on him. We involve him. We consult with him and we act like him. Now in closing, there are four very important facts about the knowledge of God that Peter mentions in 2 Peter chapter 1. These four important facts will literally become the topics of our next four lessons as we close out this series on how to be an effective and productive Christian. So let me give you these four things briefly, and then over our next four lessons, we'll talk about them in detail. Fact number one, grace and peace come through the knowledge of God. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, where Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied to you, or you have grace and peace in abundance through the knowledge of God. So we've already talked about that briefly. And next time, we'll actually talk about grace and peace, what that is. Fact number two, everything we need for life comes through the knowledge of God. Second Peter chapter one and verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. So fact number two, everything we need for life comes through the knowledge of God. Fact number three, one's knowledge of God should continue to grow. It doesn't just stop at one point. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5 talks about how we're to add to our faith over and over again so that we won't be unproductive and ineffective in our knowledge of God. Our knowledge of God has to continually grow. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul was praying for the believers and he, he, he actually prayed that they would increase in their knowledge of God, that they would grow in their knowledge of God. Then fact number four, one can have a knowledge of God and still be ineffective and unproductive. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, where Peter says that whenever we, if we do not possess these qualities in increasing measure, then we can be ineffective and unproductive. If we possess these qualities, and we'll talk about those uh, in a couple of lessons, but when they are increasing, when we are constantly growing, then we will not be ineffective and unproductive. So it is possible to have a knowledge of God and it not be effective. So we know the facts. We, we see these four things. And over our next four lessons, we're actually going to dig deeper into each of these four areas of the knowledge of God. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time as we jump right in to the scripture. Thanks for spending time with us today. I hope this study of God's Word has met a need in your life. I want to encourage you to take some time each day to jump right into God's Word and continue to grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll see you next time.